You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we speak with career and life coach Marty Nemko on finding a new job if you've been laid off during the pandemic and on tips for working at home, which he believes will be even more common in the future. It always made sense. And I think just the conservatism of certain organizations, and frankly, their nonprofits uh, and government as well as companies, that's going to give way. And especially with things like Skype and Zoom being so easy to use, video conferencing is going to become more acceptable. I do think it's a permanent structural change. Ever more people will be working from home. I'm Mel Baker. This is Civic. The coronavirus outbreak has many people who are employed in offices working from home. For many of us, it's a challenge. How do we remain productive with all the distractions at home? How do we separate home and work when the two are now fused together? How do we cope and how can we take this mandatory work-at-home time to change our relationship to work after the crisis? To help us answer some of those questions is career and life coach Marty Nemko, With a doctorate in educational psychology from UC Berkeley, he has been featured in or written for Time Magazine, The New York Times, LA Times, various Bay Area media, and National Public Radio. Marty is the host of a new radio show and podcast, How to Do Life, which can be heard on our station, KSFP 102.5 FM, every Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. Marty, welcome to Civic. My pleasure to be there with you. I love your new station. I really do. You've been working from home all your career, so you are exactly the person I wanted to talk to about working from home. All of the staff of the San Francisco Public Press are working from home during the crisis. And I know for myself this has been very challenging because I'm used to that sharp divide between work and home. Tell me some of the things that you prefer about working from home because you've chosen to do that over your career. And then we can range into some uh, tips for other people. Well, actually, the good news is that I've worked not just the, at, from home, but I, about maybe the, my first 25% of my career, I worked at a place, and I currently teach at UCSF Medical School, so I can see the best of both. And there is no question, for me at least, working at home is, is just wonderful. For me, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is the commute. It is getting ever more strangulating. And so, you know, my clients will come to see me, and they're exhausted by the time they get here just to getting over the Bay Bridge. I live in Oakland. Um, whereas I can, you know, I have these, I, I'm at home and when I'm working with clients, I'm, I can, if it's a phone client, I can still be in my t-shirt and shorts. So the lack of commute and the informality, which is, you know, I, I'm by nature, I'm a t-shirt and shorts guy. I love it. It makes me feel weird in a way to see people, you know, dressed to dressed up for success in their suits and ties. If they're guys, sometimes guys with ties with their women. Um, I feel sorry for them having to kind of get in their get-ups all the time. So I really do like working at home. So I guess one of the big problems is how do we organize our day? I know with me, it's that I've noticed during the work uh, at home thing, the one day I just kind of started out in my pajamas and said, oh, I'll get showered and cleaned up was a disaster because I never did. I felt like I hadn't made that walk from one space to the other. So I know I have to make it a priority to change into at least a nicer T-shirt, right. <laughs> you know, right? And so that I say, my brain says, I'm now working. Um, how do we organize our day? What's some tips you have for people uh, 
when literally your commute is 15 feet from your uh, your bedroom, your living room to your little home office, your kitchen? Well, to be really honest, I don't need any, any rules or regulations because I'm just such so work-centered that it doesn't even cross my mind to not work. But if I, if I was like my, frankly, my typical clients who do have more difficulty, it's a matter of ritualization. It becomes non-negotiable in the same way as if you had a dentist appointment, you wouldn't miss it. You know, you know, have a ritual. I, you know, automatically I do have a ritual. My ritual briefly is I do not set an alarm clock. Uh, I get up naturally so that I get my rest, which is wonderful. Uh, And then I make coffee. No, as a, as a lie, I walk my dog, <laughs> and then I, and then I make coffee, and I come up and leisurely with my coffee. I, you know, always will look at my email. These time management books that tell you don't check your email first. I don't begin to understand that. Uh, I would pay somebody a thousand dollars if it was required as a toll to allow me to look at my email in the morning. So I do that. Then I write. I always, you know, I schedule my first appointment for with clients for ten forty five. So I write from usually like 8.30 until 9, until 10. Then I take a shower. It's just like a ritual. I take a shower, see the clients, lunch. You get the point. But I have this ritual that, that becomes, you know, it's not rigid. I mean, I will, I will change it at times. But, but, you know, if you're not somebody who naturally just is, is motivated by a cosmic desire to contribute, and forgive that sounding so sanctimonious, but that's really what drives me. Uh, if you're not driven by this sense of responsibility, then ritual is probably your best solution. So, and because that is the ritual we all have, those of us who commute to work usually, uh, you know, we get up, we shower, we leave the house, we walk, drive, or have our bike to our work. We walk in the door, we get coffee at work, we take coffee with us. We have these rituals that kind of move us into that space. So for you, it's a natural progression. What are some of the tips that clients have come back to you when you've told them how to get that ritual going that have worked best for them? This is a, this addresses is the whole procrastination question, which is really at there. And the, the first, there's a series of things that you need to ask yourself. Um, <clears throat> the same way as if, if you had a headache uh, and you came to me and as an MD, and I'm not an MD, but if you did, um, I wouldn't just jump and give you Tylenol. I would look and see what the cause is. The, the fact that you're not getting right to work is a symptom of uh, of the of a, a sort of a, a procrastination, and there are a number of causes. One of the reasons that people procrastinate, the most foundational reason, is they they feel their life is so bad that it's not worth getting right to work. Whether they get to work two hours later doesn't matter. So very often, if that's the problem, the right solution is to try to, and this is the hardest one, to nibble away so that your life is worth doing something. If you've got a crappy relationship or no relationship, work on that. If your job is really something that makes you feel crappy about it, see if you can find better work. If you are, if you're overweight and you say, damn it, I can't look at myself in the morning where, you know, take nibble that even if, it, if your house is a mess, um, you know, say, okay, I'm going to take one corner of one, one, one room or, you know, if your health sucks, see your healthcare provider. That can be actually the most foundational a way to start to make yourself motivated to get to work. But secondly, and this is, again, it's going to sound sanctimonious, but I want to be as completely honest as I can. And, and that is, I think we must have a cosmic obligation to make the most of our heartbeats. We've been given the gift of life. 
And if we fritter it away just by vaping our way into oblivion and watching Netflix, um, it's, a, it's a waste of the greatest pr- treasure we're given. And if we accept that we have a, an obligation to society or to the cosmos, depending upon how grand, how grand your thinking is, that w- that's what really drives me, I swear, to not even think about not working because I feel it's my obligation to be a responsible grown-up person. That's two. Then there are little simple techniques. There are most, most popular these days are the Pomodoro technique, where you set a timer, you work for 20 minutes and then take five off, you work for timer 20 and take five off. The other is what I call the one minute, one second start. Um, very often the hardest part is getting started. So if you say, what is my, my one second task to start with? It could be opening, your com- turning on your computer or whatever. Um, it could be, then the next thing could be opening the file. By doing those one second tasks, you tend to build momentum. And then the last thing is the one minute struggle. Normally, when people procrastinate a lot, it's not either when they start or when they reach a hard part. When they reach a hard part, they sit and they struggle in front of their computer or whatever for 20 minutes, and it's so painful. That makes them want to procrastinate more in the future. But if you use what is called the one-minute struggle, struggle for just one minute. After that, you're very unlikely to solve the problem. At the one-minute mark, decide whether you should struggle more, ask for help, or you can do the project without that hard part. That is the world's shortest course in conquering procrastination and enabling you to get a lot done at home. And I can say that your attitude about uh, life and uh, and those techniques certainly work because you're the ultimate anti-procrastinator. That's true. I've never had to wait long for a swift supply, uh, reply to you uh, from you about our the show, How to Do no, Life. you said it true. right, supply. Yeah, I, I yeah. said your supply of uh, whatever. <laughs> Okay. okay. <laughs> but you know, I I will I will state that as a, as a truth. You're the anti procrastinator, and I kind of it helps me step up my game and go. Well, Marty got back to me. I you know I shouldn't wait two or three days. I should get <laughs> my I should get in gear and get this done. So right now, a lot of freelancers and contractors are under a lot of stress because their work has evaporated. What tips do you have for people who are self employed, gig workers, or contractors to boost their business? or convert as much of it as possible to remote work to try and retain at least a little bit of their income during this lockdown? Good question. One of the axiomatic rules of any small business is the best source of new customers is old customers. Contact all of your past customers who liked you, not the one that sued you, <laughs> but the, all the past customers and clients who liked you, and just check in. It's usually wise to not ask for the business because then it's too transparently marketing. But if in this, I, I haven't had to do this in a long time, but when I uh, was short of clients in the beginning. I would call my my past clients, and I'll say, "You just popped into my head. I was just curious how you're doing." Which is true; it's not a lie. Of course, I yes also want additional business, um, but I would simply say, "You know, uh, you popped into my head. I'm wondering how you're doing." And we would have a chat. And I would not ask for any for Hey, do you need any more appointments? Do you want to refer someone to me? No, I did not do that. Um, but by showing that you're caring, you you are creating a more positive image in, in your in their mind. But most importantly, you know, we forget it. We, we interact with zillions of people over our, our work day and year and whatever. And we, after a, a month or so, <clears throat> we forget about a lot of people. But by calling them, we're back to being top of mind. And if they liked you, and they may say, you know, I'm, I could use, it, it makes them think about, do I need more more time or need to buy stuff more from this Marty Nemco guy? Or should I refer him to somebody the best way to get new clients is old clients. So let's say you were somebody who was, who'd been doing uh, home delivery or, 
or driving for people, but you'd exchanged cards with a couple of clients and maybe you're not getting, maybe you're driving for Uber or Lyft and you're not getting very many rides, but you had a couple of clients that you've seen on and off and they've given cards. You'd might contact them out of the blue and say, Hey, do you need me to, you know, outside of the app, would you, do you need any help picking up stuff or trying to think outside the box? Yeah. I would take that idea and go it a little step further. If I knew that that was likely to be something I would do, if somebody gave me a card, as soon as they left my Uber, I would write down something about the conversation or whatever so that I remembered them. And if I called them and I said, hey, you know, you were in my in my Uber um, uh, about a month ago. And uh, I remember we had a really nice conversation about blah. I just, just popped into my head. I wondered how you're doing. Stop there. And then because it's something that's, you know, kind of fungible, like a, an Uber driver say, of course, I'd be pleased to drive for you, you know, to drive again for you if you feel the need. So there is ways to make it more personal because it is about being personal. What about the complete opposite end of the spectrum from being out of work or procrastinating when you just have way too much to do and you can't fit it into a normal work day and especially a home work day? What strategies do you have for prioritizing? Well, I have two. Um, there's a number of them. Well, first of all, this seems counterintuitive, but I tend to prioritize the fun stuff. I'm supposed to prioritize what's best for the world, and I do some of that. But I'm a human being. And so sometimes just to get me in gear, I've got a, a whole load of crap to do. Uh, I just say, okay, what do I feel like doing now? What feels like fun? Or if, I, if my butt has been in the chair for too long, I say, what do I need to do that would get me out of this chair? And it could be cleaning the toilets. And it, <laughs> and it often is. Um, you know, so I... You know, I just start with with what needs to be done, but what's fun. Uh, and then I also do try to make them make things as, as pleasant as I can, whatever that is for you, whether it's be listening to music or I'm a, I do things fast. So there are some people who are meticulous and they like to do things very slowly, the kind of pe- person who would, uh, uh, you know, paint, paint something very meticulously and slowly. That's not me. I, I do a lot of writing and my way is I just, I kind of let her rip and create a first draft in almost no time. You know, my typical psychology today article, and I've written 1,660 of them, um, is written in, you know, I write a first draft in about an hour or two. That's fun for me to get it out. And even though it's a crap, it doesn't get published at that point. I will reread it six, eight, 10 times, but it's, it's doing it my way. It's doing it the fun way. It's fun to crank it out. And then it's fun to reread it and see what are things I can find to fix and then do it again and do it again. So what's crucial is doing it the fun way. But yeah, also prioritizing what matters. Like I must admit, even though I'm the anti-procrastinator, I was, you know what I've been so happy about with the, with the stupid coronavirus? That, that we got a, a six month, a six, whatever, two month, extend, three month extension on taxes. I hate <laughs> doing my taxes. And so that enabled me to procrastinate, and I'm going to wait. I promise you, I will wait. It's about July 15th when it's due. I guarantee you I will be doing it starting like June 30th, my birthday, or something. (laughs) We're speaking with Marty Nemco, career and life coach and host of How to Do Life, which airs on KSFP LP San Francisco. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press.
KSFP would like to thank the awesome, forward-thinking institutional supporters of the San Francisco Public Press, including the San Francisco Foundation, the James Irvine Foundation, the Riva and David Logan Foundation, Craig Newmark Philanthropies, the Jonathan Logan Family Foundation, the Ethics and Excellence in Journalism Foundation, the Fund for Nonprofit News at the Miami Foundation, the Fund for Investigative Journalism, the California Endowment, the Center for Cultural Innovation, the Institute for Nonprofit News, and the local independent online news publishers. This is KSFP-LP San Francisco, 102.5 FM. Now back to Civic with Marty Nemco, career and life coach and host of How to Do Life. What's your most requested area of advice and what do you find yourself telling people over and over again during this lockdown? Because you're still talking to clients. Yes. What are, what are some of the things coming up for them? I have an unusual practice. You know, uh, it, what's happened is my practice has changed since the lockdown. I have a, I've always had about 10 or 20% of people who have been unemployed for a while. And they have stopped sessions, not so much because they can't afford it. Often they've, they've been well-employed, but are now unemployed. But because the job market is so bad, nobody is hiring now, uh, that they have appropriately suspended sessions. So the most common things I'm hearing now are from people, really being honest, who are in a position to have, they usually have some kind of a budget. So it's how the hell are they going to take care of their workers? How are they going to, without keeping the business or the nonprofit from going under, uh, so we're focusing more on how to survive in this war. Uh, that's the short-term thing. In the long run, what I've always had is clients who, uh, who are pretty successful um, and who are either unhappy because their spouse is nagging at them for working too long each day or because uh, they're pretty high up and everybody's gunning for their job uh, or their, uh, their time management is bad or they're lousy public speakers or they, they're more ambitious and they want to move to a more, a more ethical company or a better company. Uh, that's the, you know, that's and time management stuff, procrastination. Though Those are the essence of my, uh, most of my clients, although I do help a certain percentage of clients land a job. One thing that's going to change after the coronavirus outbreak is contained, even if it's a year from now when uh, we have a vaccine or so, is that a lot of companies have been able to shift their people to work from home. Right. Do you think that's going to change the way more big, many businesses are doing business? Do you think people are going to be working from home more in the future? Absolutely. It had always been crazy that we make people commute in these ever more nightmarish commutes to get to a headquarters so they can sit in a cube farm and can't hear themselves think and the company is paying all this expensive real estate and the workers are coming to work tired by just from the commute. Uh, so companies can save money. People can be happier. Not, you know, they won't have as much childcare problems. Uh, they can be free to work in their t-shirts. They can take breaks in the middle of the day as I do all the time to hike with the doggy, to make my own lunch instead of, you know, have to pack some crappy lunch in my bag or whatever. Um, I think this is, it, it always made sense. And I think just the conservatism of certain organizations, and frankly, they're nonprofits and government as well as companies of, you know, we want to make sure you're, we want to watch you doing what you're doing. That's going to give way. I think there will be much, and especially with things like Skype and, and, and Zoom being so easy to use, 
video conferencing is going to become uh, more acceptable. I do think it's a permanent structural change. Ever more people will be working from home. And what uh, advice do you have for people who are self-employed right now and uh, trying to make it through this period? You, you mentioned how important marketing is, and you mentioned that a little bit earlier when we were talking about gig workers. What perspectives do you have for the self-employed person working from home during this time? I want to, uh, uh, yes, marketing, especially in the beginning of your, uh, your self-employment is important. Hopefully after a year or two, you've had, you know, you, you're, you're good enough that you're getting word of mouth because that still remains the number one best way that uh, certainly I've gotten clients and many of my good, my successfully self-employed people get most of their clients from past clients. But, um, so I want to say this first, if you are not, if you've been, you know, if you've run your business for more than a year, say, and you're still way short of clients, the most likely reason is you're not that good. Either you're too expensive or your quality isn't that good or you're unreliable. You're not answering emails promptly. You're annoying. You have a, you know, a, a too intense personality like me. Um, look inward before you just jump to marketing, which, is, which preserves your self-esteem, but is ultimately sometimes not the core problem. Ask yourself, are you doing a good enough job quality-wise, quantity-wise, price-wise, humanly-wise? That's going to be do more, certainly in the long, that's your, that's, this should be your wake up call to try to, you know, improve your act. Then, yes, do the, at least the kind of marketing that works best for you. So if you are a, uh, a, a uh, we can't public speak now, unfortunately, but if you are a speaker, give free talks at libraries and churches, synagogues and mosques, um, if you're a writer, write for a local publication like San Francisco Public Press or whoever will take your work. And on the bottom, have a little tagline that says what you do and how they can reach you in a non-braggy marketing way, in a low-key way. Nobody likes to be marketed to. So just a low-key way, but you're giving a sample with your writing. If you're a schmoozer, get together one-on-one with your friends. That's the last thing I do. That's not who I am, so I would never do that. If I needed more clients... And calling my old clients did not get enough. I would first look inward to see if I really am good enough or I need to improve my game, improve my, my not my marketing game, but my how good a service I provided. And then I would decide which marketing tool I should use. If I was a schmoozer, I would call my friends, Skype my friends, FaceTime my friends, have them throw a party, uh, go out hiking, go out to a ball game. Uh, you know, I would do, I would market my way to get referrals and also cross referrals. If I were, let's say I was a, uh, uh, a shrink uh, who specialized in, uh, in, uh, in LGBT relationships, I might uh, contact general shrinks who maybe were more mainstream or, you know, lived in areas that are very, uh, that, where they're, you could see that their, their client base was, was straight and I would say, hey, I specialize in LGBT relationships. Um, I'm wondering if you ever have a client like that where you think it might be appropriate. I'm wondering if you might consider referring me. So that's the kind of things I would do. And any advice for people who are out of work, uh, not necessarily who are gig workers, which we've talked about, but people who maybe worked in retail or worked in uh, jobs that require you to be at the actual place. What's your advice going forward now 
for them to keep some money coming in yeah. uh, and or what kind of work should they be looking for that are still they're still hiring we know like the grocery industry is hiring what what's your advice for folks like that um i think that a couple of thoughts where the growth is going to be uh, for the short term is going to be in government as we see government we we have government has made a decision to go all in on spending even if they're going to have to print money which they will uh, and uh, increase the debt, which is going to uh, could be an existential problem for the country. But we've made that decision. And so the first thing I would do to try to get a job um, would be get a, find, get a government job if I could. And remember in San Francisco, uh, we have more levels of government. We have city government, state government, federal government, and all kinds of interstitial agencies. And if anybody's hiring, it's government right now. And they're the last bastion of government. Uh, thanks to the taxpayer largesse. Normally, it takes a year to get hired. But because we're in emergency status, government does have the right to post jobs on an emergency fast-track basis. And that can enable you to get hired more quickly than you otherwise could in government. I would absolutely, unless you hate, there are some people who hate government. But if you can, you know, yes, it's amazingly bureaucratic. But if you can stomach government or even your values make you treasure government, which many people do, I would urge you to try to get a job there. Now, shorter term, of course, there is going to be, you know, the in the critical industries, whether it be medical supplies, working uh, uh, foremost, McKesson is based here, one of the leading medical companies in the, in the world. I'd be looking at their websites. I'd be asking my network to see if I knew somebody at absolutely essential fields, like in supermarket chains. What's your last advice for the psychological stress for those of us who are, who do like the, the interaction with our coworkers in person, who do appreciate that connectedness, that that uh, camaraderie, how what's your what's your advice for those of us who are feeling the stress of uh, and the grief of not having that? Right, I I'm, I can't imagine what it would be like if this was occurring in 1850 before there was phone, let alone you know internet, let alone. Uh, 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 you know, any kind of virtual, you know, Zoom. Um, my wife and I had a, we've had a virtual happy hour where we got together with some friends on Zoom and uh, it raised a glass of champagne and had a good time. We laughed. We had a great time. Uh, Zoom and places like that are an amazing tool for, uh, for getting together with people. Uh, Google Hangouts, FaceTime, all of them. Uh, enable you to have a lot of that and good old old school phone you know i actually prefer phone because i can be on you know like i don't have to be tethered to a like to a, my webcam in front of my computer i can walk around um uh, and on my cell phone i can hike with my dog and, and chat with my friends so take advantage of technology and you can get together with your friends and in the, in the middle of all this you can actually maybe Find more ways to have fun because you've got a little more time on your hands. Everybody's slowing down now. So I'm finding myself finding the silver linings. I take a little longer in the shower. I love being in the shower. I take a little longer on the floor playing with the dog. I uh, spend a little more time talking with the neighbors instead of saying, hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Fine. You know, instead of that, we have actually conversations. I'm doing more gardening. I'm planting. I just planted a whole bunch of tomato seeds. And I'm going to, I post it on my, on my, there a block wide little ultra ultra local group and i'm going to be giving away the seedlings when they grow so you can really if you you know it's easier said than done 
But if you can look for the silver lining, try to have fun amid all this, using technology and in-person get-togethers from a distance, sure. I mean, we're not, you know, maybe we're breaking the law, but I think of five or six of us are six feet away drinking a, a Corona <laughs> instead of having Corona. Uh, I don't think we're, we're spreading the virus, and I think we're, we're enabled to survive because it's going to be at least a month until this is over. Marty, thanks for joining us on Civic. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Marty Nemko. He's a career and life coach and the host of the show How to Do Life, which airs every Thursday morning at 8.30 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on KSFP 102.5 FM, San Francisco Public Press's radio station, and as a podcast, How to Do Life with Marty Nemco. I'm Mel Baker. You've been listening to Civic. Civic is a production of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative news organization, sfpublicpress.org. Host and reporter, Laura Wenness. Producer and contributor, Mel Baker. The publisher of the Public Press is Lila LaHood. Executive director, Michael Stoll. Director of Membership and Community, Daphne Magnawa. Assistant editor, Noah Arroyo. Copy chief, Kurt Aguilar. Photojournalist and reporter, Jessica Prado. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Additional themes from the Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for listening.